This is May It Please the Internet, a podcast brought to you by Revision Legal, lawyers who represent businesses that make money online. Hey everyone, this is John DiGiacomo, and this is the Revision Legal May It Please the Internet podcast. And I'm joined today with my partner, Eric Mysterovich. Hello, Eric. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. We're talking about some legal stuff in the news. This is going to be a more timely and interesting discussion today. What are we talking about today, Eric? Well, I thought we'd talk about NFTs. That's what everyone's talking about, right? <laughs> That's right. What is an NFT? Give me your best shot at a definition of what an NFT is. It's a JPEG, right? That's all it is. <laughs> Cut, paste, copy, paste, and that's it. That seems about right. Yeah, we're done. All right. Great that's job. it. Show over. <laughs> so my, my understanding of an NFT, an NFT is a non-fungible token, which is a fancy way of saying it's a way to look at the provenance, fancy word, of a object. So a good example is in the legal field, we have title searches for property. So if you're buying a piece of real property, you can go to the old timey office and flip through dusty titles for real property and and find who owns what and who sold what. And NFTs are kind of the same, aren't they, Eric? Yeah, I think that's the idea that it's this code, I guess, that is unique code that's eventually linked to some image that you, you're you the one-of-one one owner of that code, right? Yeah, and we've got some experience in this because Eric swindled me into participating in an NFT project, which we'll talk about later. But let's get started. I, I see you've got some stuff you want to talk about, so I'm going to let you roll with it. Yeah, so there's been a lot of activity for the legal issues with NFTs, most of that coming in the form of lawsuits, of course. You know, these kind of range, they follow the same pattern where one party is creating NFTs that contain either images or text or other content that someone else claims to own. And it raises all kinds of interesting legal issues like a lot of trademark issues, copyright issues, rights of publicity issues that all kind of get wrapped up in these NFT lawsuits. And it's going to be really interesting to watch how the courts address them, how we get maybe conflicting opinions from courts across the country and how this kind of legal landscape all comes together. You had mentioned that there's a case recently involving Nike and StockX. What is StockX? Have you taken a look at this site? I briefly looked at it before we got on this podcast, so I'm not all that familiar with it. Yeah, well, StockX, first, I'm pretty sure it's the Detroit based business. I mean, it's just grown exponentially. I mean, think it just started with sneaker trading, selling, you know, rare, you know, sought after sneakers. And then they eventually formed these vault NFTs, which is their program. I mean, I'm not hundred percent up to speed on exactly what these things are doing now or what they're intended to do. It seems like they're supposed to eventually be able to be sold for actual physical items. But the point is their first kind of round of these NFT projects, they were mainly Nike shoes, right? They, were in, they look like Nike shoes. And so, of course, Nike didn't really like that and filed suit. My understanding of this is that these are 
basically digital receipts of products, physical products, Nike shoes, other shoes that are in rare quantities. And the general idea is that these digital receipts, I guess, get rid of the requirement that you ship shoes to another party. So if you're a collector, you go to StockX, you can buy one of these NFTs, they have a vault where these shoes are stored, physical shoes are stored. And then instead of keeping those shoes in your possession, insuring them, sticking them in your closet, StockX handles that part for you. And if you want to trade them, you can trade it through StockX Marketplace by buying and selling the NFT. And you don't have to deal with the physical shipping and all the other stuff that goes along with a real physical product. So what's the problem with that? Well, Nike says you're essentially selling Nike shoes and that you're using Nike's name and brand and logo in trademarks and that Nike is not affiliated with us. I think there's also gets into issues in that probably most major brands are going to release their own NFTs and Nike probably wants to be in control of what those look like. And this is getting in the way of that. Yeah, I had lunch with a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and he's in the shoe industry. And of course, now I'm going to use the correct pronunciation. Adidas apparently is the right way to say it instead of Adidas, as I've said my entire life. Is uh, they've already done their own NFT project, so I think yeah, Nike's probably looking at this and saying, "Okay, we're going to run our own project. This is confusing to consumers. You guys got to stop." But it feels a little weird. It feels like. You know, maybe there is an interesting legal issue here because, you know, you're familiar with the idea that you go on eBay and you can sell a product by listing what it is. This feels pretty similar, right? Yeah, we get that question all the time. Like, if I have an e-commerce business and I'm reselling goods, you know, what kind of trouble can I get into for using all of the name brands? And the answer is not in most instances because... You have to be able to explain the product. You know, it's this for sale doctrine. There's more legal kind of dorkiness that comes to it. But the reality is, if I'm reselling a Ford truck or Nike shoes, there's only one way to describe that. And you're, of course, allowed to describe it that way and make it accurate. And then you're also allowed to resell products. That's not copyright infringement. That's not trademark infringement. And so this does fit into kind of a weird middle ground of these first sale doctrines, like how far do trademark rights extend? You know, Nike makes shoes and all kinds of other things, but as far as I know, they're not involved in NFTs right now. So like how far do those rights reach in order to be able to stop this kind of creative, you know, business endeavor? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. I remember one of the first cases that you and I appeared together in a federal court and we had a case where, we were in front of Judge Janet Neff, now retired, wonderful judge. And I had to make the argument that if I bought an Apple iPad and I sold it at a garage sale, it wasn't trademark infringement. And this feels a lot like this, but I'm sure that there is some level of StockX trading off of Nike in the sense that, you know, when they list pictures and words and, you know, branding on the page there's a nice question of whether the line has been crossed from specifically describing the products that they're selling or actually creating an association with the company. And that's probably what this thing's going to come down to. Yeah. I mean, I think from Nike's viewpoint, you know, I think there was nine or 10 of these vault 
NFT coins or however they termed it for StockX. It was a little strange, I thought, but I think like eight of the 10 were Nikes. So, you know, it kind of gets to this point of, well, that wasn't an accident, right? Like the, the Nike branding on this is part of what's going to make these things go. And they did that on purpose. They knew it and that they relied on that goodwill associated with Nike to make some money on NFTs. And that's, I think, where it gets trickier. I remember I texted you this, but did you take a look at the Rally app, which uh, allows you to buy collectibles in a similar way? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that it's an interesting time. I mean, there's going to be more lawsuits on this kind of stuff. It's going to come up. I mean, there's really no way around it. I think people are going to be creative and try to make these things. You can make a quick buck and people are going to try to do that and stay, you know, hopefully use the proceeds of the NFTs to fund the lawsuits, which is exactly what the guy in the Nike suit is doing. He, he has actually now created a new series of NFTs where there's a image of a sneaker alongside documents from the lawsuit with Nike. So you know, <laughs> I don't know where this stuff ends, but sure, the attorneys are happy to have the work. Yeah, I think the answer to this is Ken Griffey Jr., if you're out there and you're listening and your rookie cards being sold on Rally, hit me up. You know where I'm at. We got you. Give us a call. For sure. Well, that's like the other one that you pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago with the, the Hit Piece website. I mean, this one seemed blatantly wrong on a lot of levels. Can you tell everybody what that one was about? Yeah. So, you know, it's 2 a.m. and my kid has woken me up and I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see a post by an artist that you and I just kind of stumbled upon in Austin. Amazing guitarist. We saw her live. Her name's Jackie Venson. And she was complaining about this website, Hit Piece. And she said that they had created an NFT of her music and were selling it. And apparently the business model is that they create these NFTs of artist music and they then I guess maybe offer royalties to the artists later. But at the time that Jackie Venson was complaining about this site, she had given no permission. So she, you know, she's confused. She's looking at the site and she's saying, why am I getting ripped off? I've given no one authority to sell NFTs. What is going on here? So yeah, it's an interesting one. It was not just her. It was many, many users. So of course I start Google fooing this person that owns hit piece and he's at the Miami heat game in a box. And, you know, so there's no slouch. So something's going on here. Somebody's making money. It'll be interesting to see how this world kind of settles down. Yeah. That one seemed blatantly wrong. I mean, they were, I think you texted me about that early in the morning and by the afternoon, the website was shut down. It seemed like voluntarily, I'm sure they had an onslaught of demand letters and that one just seemed really, just seemed wrong. I mean, to take all of this music from all of these artists and to say that you own the ability or have the ability to create some NFT about their songs. I mean, just nothing about that sounds right. Yeah, that there was no question whatsoever that that was a dead in the water business model. So one of the kind of interesting things about music, and we're talking about hit piece and, and how they're trying to claim these NFTs and songs is a lot of times music does refer to popular brands in their songs. Adidas or Adidas has, of course, been in several songs. I mean, I can think of some 
you know, Master P talking about Cadillacs or, you know, I think Snoop was involved with Cadillac for a while. I mean, music touches on popular culture and makes things that brings in brands into their own songs without any, maybe without permission. Sometimes maybe they do have permission, but I think that's a little bit different than the NFTs. Don't you think so, John? Yeah. I mean, there's a number of reasons why one is that there's, not a direct commercial use, right? There's the sense that the First Amendment gives us a wide berth to take poetic license with brands and to create parodies and, you know, to do these things that in a standard business context are not allowable. And partially it's because the First Amendment has two different tests. One is a test that applies to the commercial use of speech and the other is more traditional core fundamental speech principles like poetry and music and, and writing. So I think that's part of it. And the other part of it is just, you know, a lot of times the artists are promoting the brands. So in the case of, you know, Korn and Adidas or Adidas, Korn sold a lot of tracksuits in the early 2000s because of their song. Run DMC did the same. And to some extent, I would expect that the brands probably noticed that and realized that they were just going to kind of roll with it and see where it left them. In the case of NFTs, it's just a direct sale of something that they don't own. There seems to be a fundamental difference between trading off of content that you don't own and calling to the collective consciousness of pop culture. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's pretty well put. I mean, there's a whole creative aspect to bringing in pop culture into music or songs, or movies or whatever, that's just inherent in creativity and pop culture. There, there's really no way around it. That's always going to be together. You know, the NFTs just lack all of that. I mean, it's not a very precise legal analysis, but it really separates the two from this creation of original content and original work to, you know, hit piece, you know, by the way, great name, like terrible, terrible. (laughs) It's exactly what it sounds like. And so they branded themselves perfectly in that regard. So since we're talking about music, let's talk about Jay-Z. So Jay-Z sued Damn Dash. So I'm not really familiar with the history of Jay-Z's label, but my understanding is that Jay-Z started Rockefeller Records with some partners. Damon Dash is one of them. And Jay-Z and his partners each own one-third of the label. And the label itself owns copyright in Reasonable Doubt, which was Jay-Z's first album. Apparently, Damon Dash decided that he was going to sell an NFT covering this album for the, the future royalties associated with this album. And he did. And so Jay-Z sued him. And now there's this big question over whether or not Jay-Z is right or whether Damon Dash is correct that he could sell the future royalties because he's a one-third owner. And this is a really interesting case because it is analytically complex because the record company owns the record and owns the, the royalties. It's not the individual owner's. The individual owners have a right to those royalties as a result of being participants in that business entity. And then there's this other interesting thing where 
under copyright law, each co-owner of copyright rights has the right to exploit the work. The only restriction on that is an accounting to the other parties. So you have the full right to continue to sell the work independently of the others, as long as you provide an accounting of what's been sold and you contribute those amounts to anyone to who they're owed. So this is an interesting one. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Eric, any thoughts on this at all? This one confused me. I mean, I, I just don't really understand what an NFT even has to do with it. I mean, it seems like he's just, the article makes it seem like he is selling his right to royalties from this album. And I guess that's somehow embodied within the NFT that he created. It was very confusing. I don't really know. It, to me, it seems like maybe Dame Dash doesn't really know how this was working either. I mean, it just seems like a very strange concept to try to profit off of this. It doesn't, nothing here really adds up to me. Also, like, what is the selling price of these things? This has got to be one of the most popular albums of all time. And you get a fair chunk of the revenue associated with it. I'm not following how this is all coming together. Yeah, one of my big concerns with NFTs is they tend to, well, maybe this is a concern about every collectible, right? I was talking with our trademark paralegal this week about this Beanie Baby documentary that's on HBO. It's really good. If you get a chance to watch it, watch it. It reminds me of NFTs. And one of the criticisms that I have with NFTs is they seem to be, in some sense, or in some cases, a bit of a pump and dump. And I wonder if the reason why this was characterized as an NFT is, one, hype is leading the buggy at this point, you know, it's pulling the buggy along. And then two, NFTs sometimes have this built-in future royalty for the person who mints them. So the individual who mints the NFT continues to receive royalties on subsequent sales in proportion to the sale price. So let's say that Damon Dash sells the NFT for $100,000 and then the individual who buys it turns it around and sells it for $5 million. You know, Damon Dash is going to reap the revenue increase as a result of that subsequent sale. Maybe he knows that. Maybe that's the play here. I don't know. But I agree. It's it's a weird one, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. This one is a confusing one. Maybe we should actually dive into the documents through Pacer and see what we can find out here. Because the way this article describes it, it leaves some questions here. But you're right. I mean, there is certainly a lot of potential profit in resales and, and being able to keep, I don't know, 3 5 10% maybe of every time that NFT is resold, that it goes back to the original creator can be significant, especially with some of the more popular NFTs around now, that can really add up fast. Absolutely. And that's a great segue into our NFT experience. Can you tell me how I got roped into buying some ugly pictures of frogs? Speaking of pumping up the value of NFTs, we should talk about this. You're right. And try to get other people on board to make these things go. <laughs> well, so, you know, we've been on the sidelines watching it. And at some point you, you get bored and you want to dip your toe in. And, you know, we knew some guys that were domain brokers 
And we used to do a lot of work in the domain space, which has fallen off a cliff since crypto came around. But we saw these domain brokers that we knew were very experienced in kind of identifying these speculative markets and intangible properties that can be worth a lot of money. And we know they were doing really well with NFTs. And then they decided to launch their own called Paradise Trippies. So I convinced you, let's take a run at it and buy a few and be part of the whole process and you know join the Discord a server and just see what it's all about and kind of firsthand look at the minting process, the kind of weird issues that come up with all of these copycats that come on board, paying outrageous gas fees for that are almost more than what the NFTs cost and just kind of walk through that whole experience, hopefully as a way to stop being an attorney forever. But if, if nothing else to just learn firsthand how this stuff works. Yeah. I think my, my ship has sailed. I do not have diamond hands. Apparently I bought and sold very quickly. So I, I bought these NFT minted them. The experience was pretty good. I, you know, typically I'm really good with tech. This process was weird for me. And I think this, Eric, this is the first time you've had to walk me through something like I was a child. <laughs> and I recall you explaining to me how to set up this particular wallet that we had to use. And the long story short was I ended up minting three of these things and sold two of them, made a relatively good profit, doubled my money and still am holding one. Do you still have yours? Yeah, I actually went back and bought one more. So I have four and I've been meaning to tell you, they just released the cosmic trippies. So you can go mint a, for every one that you own, you can go mint a cosmic trippy, which basically looks like crazy aliens now. So don't miss out on that. <laughs> well, I will do that tonight. You know, it's interesting. These NFT projects, they confuse me in a sense that Again, like they're like beanie babies in a way. There's this kind of manufactured scarcity. They somehow, for some reason, like the 10,000 number. This was one of those types of projects. And, you know, we represent some pretty large artists, one of which is a good friend of mine, and he created an NFT. And he's had a very successful life as an artist and yet can't sell a single NFT. So it's an interesting world. I don't know that I yet understand it. I think it'll be worth something. We're getting there, but yeah, we're keeping an eye on it. Anything else? Yeah, it was fun to be part of. I, I mean, it was, I like doing it. Once you kind of see it happen, you kind of start to see the same things being propped up for other projects and kind of the same hype and everything behind other ones. And how some take off and some don't is very confusing to me. And something about it seems like open to some shady tactics, I think. Oh, it's about the team, man. It's just the team. We got a great team. We got a great story. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, th that's all I got on NFTs. Eric, you got anything else? No, I think that's enough NFT talk for one day. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone. Again, this was the Revision Legal Podcast. May it please the internet. And thank you for listening. Thank you.